Welcome everybody to Wolf Sheep. I am Luis Cavedo. And I'm Matthew Walker. Always yeah. caught by surprise that it's my turn to say my name. <laughs> after this is episode 12, so yeah, after 12 episodes, yeah, I would think. Yeah. And we are joined this week by Mr. Philip Ladislaw. Hello. Hello. I didn't mess up your last name, right? That no, is correct. Right. Okay. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. I gave you a cookie, but I have <laughs> I can't eat them anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, 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 uh, we're getting started here. Uh, it's been a long day, but we're going to make this work today. Uh, for this week's topic, uh, we've got something I had originally written down about uh, uh, what's the term? Uh, astral, astral projection. Astral projection. Right. Um, and just... That's not about eating at Taco Bell either. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, when I when I wrote this down on the list of topics, yeah. you, you asked me about it, what is it? And I have to expound on it. And I try to keep just the uh, general outline or just yeah. a two or three word way of describing the topic. And then I'll explain it to you later, So, which we always do. Yeah. But um, it's not specifically about astral projection, but it comes into play because it's the best way I can describe what I've been experiencing. But so the, you kind of use it like a descriptive... Right. I mean, yeah. the, there's the reason I know about astral projection. Yeah. Astral projection is not limited to comic books. It's a term that I learned through comic books. Ah, okay, they, yeah. You know, I, I liked all the different books. Yeah. And Doctor Strange, which people are probably familiar now because the movies come out, it was one of the abilities he would always use in the comics was astral projection and out-of-body experience Yeah. Uh, to for whatever purposes. But it, it comes from deep meditation and other things of that sort to real-world uh, application. Right. That's where it really comes from. Uh, but yeah, there's your little history lesson for the day. All right, thanks. You learn something new. But really, more so, we're talking about fears because that's where the root of all this comes into. And whether or not I've been experiencing many panic attacks the last, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe four or five years. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get that started. Okay. Do you like horror movies or frightening experiences? No. The last horror movie I saw wasn't even a horror movie. It was a psychological thriller mm -hmm. uh, with Robert De Niro, and he played himself and a bipolar version of himself that terrorized his daughter. And What was the name of this movie? Uh, something about hide-and-seek or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the right. last one I saw. I like alien movies. That's different. Aliens don't exist. Yeah, you don't seem to mind sci-fi horror. I don't mind sci-fi horror, but if it could possibly happen, you know, mm -hmm. not so much. So I, I stopped after that. No more horror movies. What about the experiences? Like uh, the experience? Well, like all right. So the best. The oh, best like Halloween horror, Halloween horror nights. Horror nights. Exactly. Uh, Stuff no. Like that. no, no, no. I almost said hail. No, uh, no, I don't do that. When I was in the seventh grade, or no, when I was like seven or eight years old, we had an assembly of God, um, a horror house or haunted house in an old abandoned farmhouse in the country, and there was a strobe light, and the wall in front of us was a wall. One minute. And the strobe light started going off, and uh -huh. the wall turned into a werewolf. And I think I had to change my pants. Through and projection? No. It was a real like real person in a werewolf costume, but the, the strobes kind of disturb, disturbed your eyes. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden, we're two feet from a werewolf, and I freaked out. That's really neat. Yeah. Uh, see, I, okay. Oh, no, that's I think that's not, the difference mm. between you and I is that when you're telling me that, it's like, oh, well, you know, obviously I wasn't there, so I can't experience the terror of it. But I'm thinking, how did they do that? 
is just you know. Oh yeah, yeah. At seven years old, I was all about how did they do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would always go to the freak shows at the mm-hmm. fairs, like if there was a you know the Jungle Woman or mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, Tiny Tina, the world's smallest horse. She's so cute and cuddly. I mean, I can remember the whole speech, but I would go to all the little things. But the mm-hmm. creepy ones, like I got trapped inside one time. My brother had to come get me because I just froze. I par- I was paralyzed to move. Inside one of the... F- yeah, a guy had a... He was in a wheelchair. They had painted his eyes black, mm-hmm. so he looked like he had bloodshot eyes. And it was like drug-induced. This is what drugs do. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Uh, Billy Reed was his name. He was in a wheelchair. He had a python wrapped around his neck, and he just kept rolling back and forth, and he was in a cage, and he would put the python through the bars, and I literally could not move. My brother had to run past, and as I ran past, the guy came with the snake, Uh poking it through the bars, and I think I screamed like a little girl, and I never went in another one. But, like, yeah, I don't do – I'm getting getting all – now, yeah. Well, you know, I thought – I thought we were going to share this in common, which was that, uh, yeah, oh, I love horror movies. I love yeah, yeah. scary movies, and yeah. I don't mind the scary experiences. Yeah. It, for some reason, I don't know, because maybe because of the all the alien movies that you watch and Covenant and all that, you don't mind it. So I thought, okay, well, maybe he'll like it, but all right. No, I think, I, if, if we're being completely honest, I think Alien was more about, like, following Sigourney Weaver and, like, like a a strong female hero heroine, you know, back yeah, in the yeah. day. Oh, yeah. But then I got stuck with the sci-fi part of it. But Prometheus and mm-hmm. Alien Covenant, I mean, you know, serve me up a turd on a plate. I, you know, I only watch those because they're kind of connected to Alien mm-hmm. because I'm starving for another good Alien movie. Okay. So Covenant was kind of okay, but Prometheus, I mean, come on. You know. I thought it was a fun movie. It's not very it's oh, not yeah. great, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah I, a fun movie is the nut job too, you know, but like, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't do well being scared because I react and I punch things, and mm-hmm. I, I just don't like that. I don't like that feeling. Well, for me, horror yeah. movies. Um, I, I, I'm quite certain the first one I ever watched was Child's Play, and I might have brought okay. this up in the past. How old are you again? Uh, Thirty-one. All right, yeah. my first one was Children of the Corn. Okay, yeah. I've Back in the day, yeah. you know, yeah. And it's many, many sequels I've watched. Oh yeah, so Child's Play. But Child's Play came at a crucial point because I was either five or four and <laughs> we would do... <laughs> okay no it's your mother let worse. you watch it sounds much worse than it is <laughs> and I was probably closer to six because my, my brother would have been born by the time yeah uh, and we would do family movie nights so we would all get together into the living room and watch these right and uh, you know my mom let us watch the, the scary movies or the yeah violent movies it didn't yeah. matter but this one stayed with me, and that's why I think it was the first one because I had the My Little Buddy doll, right? <laughs> so I remember in the, My middle buddy. Watching, <laughs> in the middle of watching the movie, I said, oh, no. So I ran into the room. I took my little buddy. I started beating him up, and I threw him out the window. <laughs> and I said, you will not live in this house. Uh-huh. Uh, but what, what was good about that is that I was uh, confronted with fear early on, right? Okay. And a fascination grew there because the idea of fear was something I could wrestle with. It was it was an idea of, or a concept to kind of, I don't know, a puzzle to break apart. Okay, that makes more sense than something to wrestle with because I don't want to wrestle with anything, you know. Yeah, but it's just like oh, a, okay. but solving something that's different. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, there's where the solving part comes from yeah. me because. Um, 
like five years ago, I, or it's been over five now. I got married about five years ago. Yeah. We were dating for about two years before that. And uh, Gina doesn't like horror movies at all. Right. That's not her thing. She The scariest movie she'll watch is, again, alien movies. Yeah. And uh, once that happened, you know, I can't watch these movies as much anymore because Gina doesn't like to watch them. And I can watch them on my own. Like, I've watched The Conjuring and stuff like that. But since it's been filtered, like, I'll watch a movie that I probably would have laughed at now. Or back in the day, rather. And uh, and now I'll get to the, you know, the, the not the shivers, but the goosebumps. of like, oh, you know. Okay. So I try to break the puzzle of that. Why am I feeling this way? It's not real. Let's get past that. But the the frightening experiences, it's like curiosity. I think that's why people like horror movies and what, going to Halloween Horror Nights is the curiosity of seeing, well, fear and how am I going to react to it. Right. I, the only reason I brought up that question is to see where the mindset comes from, just popularly because... I think it means me being out of control. You know, possibly being scared means that the the control is lost for a moment, and mm-hmm. I like I like to make sure. I mean, I'll go into a new environment, and I I look around before I ever sit down. You know, I'll just make sure that everything's safe, and I don't if I don't feel safe, I set away from an exit. Yeah, I set away from the main door, and mm-hmm. I set near an exit, and I, I'm very calculated about um, being in a place where I could be out of control. Or, or people could be out of control around me. No, yeah, and I, yeah. I think that equates to a type of fear, but I, w- I would always consider that more like a, like an anxiety nowadays. Because mm-hmm. I still do that. Now I'm starting to do that too, especially after, you know, the whole uh, the Dark Knight shooting thing. And, you know, even the other day when we went to go see Dunkirk, yes, it was a, a practically empty theater. It was morning time, so it's not like anything's going to happen. But even at church, I'll do this now where I'll plan the exit strategy oh yeah and it's like well yeah. if this happens and this that but which is just it's sad you know that you yeah, have think to it's do just that, being but, prepared yeah. yeah if you want to go to an empty theater go see valerian <laughs> anyway it's pretty safe in there uh so right. go ahead sorry. i know you didn't like it much it was all right it was okay all right so what are some of your fears not counting your greatest one just some of you know throw a few random ones there at me. sharks uh-huh uh drowning and not leaving an impact on the world. Hmm. So just a few. No, no, that's. I think those yeah, are not, all. Not, not having done something while I'm here. You know, having mm-hmm. lived, lived a life where you weren't anything specific. You just kind of like occupied a spot, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Uh, fears for me. I mean, I know I know the specific ones. Like, I could point to the specific ones. And I know that if my wife were here, she would say, well, you know, your greatest fear is not that one. But yeah. I'm going to mention it, or your greatest fear is that one. And I'm going to say it isn't right now. But it's like needles. And I know where the phobia comes in from. Yeah. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a memory that pops up, and it's like a regression state that I go into. They had to, you know, at some point tie me down to the bed. Oh dear God! And yeah. uh, and I got a you know a round of injections or whatever, but I remember that. Yeah. And it's, the, it's the trauma of not being able to move and being stuck. And uh, I told Gina, <laughs> I told Gina, you know, never doubt my love for you because I've never uh, given blood before. And she said, well, well, let's go do our you know let's go get our blood test done and all this before we got married. 
and I was dreading it, and I was hoping that she would forget or whatever. Yeah. And we go in, and that was the first time I've ever had to give blood or whatever, provide a sample. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it, yeah, it was a pitiful sight, to say the least. But, you know, that was her way to understand just how bad the fear is. So that's kind of the main yeah. way to tackle with. Um, other stuff is just... Well, that's good, because you can probably avoid needles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I avoid them. Yeah, to their entirety. I mean, to the point where I, I've, I, I'm, I'm quite certain I broke both pinky toes, and with the, mm. uh, mm. with the care to not go into the hospital, and possibly have anesthesia or whatever applied. I just said, no, I'll tough it out. It's okay. I'll be oh, right. that's good. Yeah. It's not healthy, but. You know. <laughs> Well, no, my fear surrounding needles is not the needle itself, but mm-hmm. it's who's using it and, and what they're doing with it. So I had an MRI mm-hmm. once, and they strapped her head in, and I couldn't move. And I told the lady, I was like, you, when you do the injection, bring it over, mm-hmm. show me the needle, show me the syringe. Right. Because I couldn't move. And I said, I need to see everything before because you do it. Because it's the only way you can ta- maintain some sort of control into the process. Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. If it, The first lady came over and she grabbed my arm and she just did it. And I'm like, uh-uh, oh no. And, and I freaked out. Yeah. And they're like, don't move. And, and I'm like, say, yeah, don't move, don't look Yeah, at it. and I'm like, say, that's not going to help. Yeah. yeah, so I need to see the needle. Mm-hmm. And then when I know it's going in my arm, I visualize what it is. And so I don't, I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. But if I don't know, that not knowing it's where the fear comes in. I have a huge imagination. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's yeah. a little bit lazy because I don't create things from it, but mm-hmm. it, then my imagination will be my worst enemy. Okay. That's, anyway, yeah. Well, just to bring up fears, I guess that was the main one for me. The only other thing is probably um, I don't have, a, what's it called? A, it's not agoraphobia. Um, enclosed spaces. Uh, claustrophobia? Claustrophobia. It's not precisely claustrophobia, but I don't really like feeling trapped. Well, yeah, that so, it goes back to the needle thing. Yeah, I you think were trapped. Yeah, then that's yeah, they're probably both tied together. But yeah, I just wanted to bring those up first. Yeah, okay. Now, what is your greatest fear or you go, fear? You go first because yeah. I don't. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't right. remember. Um, this came up recently. This has happened recently. You know, within the last five or six years, where uh, I've—I wasn't afraid to die. I was never afraid to die, and in fact, I may not be afraid to die now. Right. But even there was even a point in time, even you know, during my Christian walk or whatever. Yeah. You know, and I think everybody kind of reaches this point where they feel invincible and they go, "Oh Lord, take me now, because I'm ready to go. You can take me today or take me tomorrow, but I'm ready to." Lord, <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus, take me today. You know. <laughs> But, you know, there's no fear of passing on. Yeah. Okay. Now, I've started to equate the experience. Let me put it this way. You know what happens when you go from, when you open a door and you go through the door, right? Or when you uh, enter a car. Yeah. Or you jump into a pool. Yes. You're going from one place to another. Yes. There's a process involved. Yeah. And you know what you're experiencing, right? Yeah. There's the cool rush of water. There's the idea that I can't breathe under here. I can maintain myself uh, comfortable for a minute, Mm -hmm. 30 seconds. But I can come up back for air. I know what the experience is like. Yeah. I've, I don't know why, maybe it's mental illness or whatever, but I've started trying 
to figure out what the process is going to be from lights on, lights off, from passing, you know, giving up the ghost, if you want uh-huh. to call it that, or the brain shutting down, or just rigor mortis, you know, give it a name if you want. And it's and it's been, I think that's where the panic attacks are coming from. Well, stop thinking about that. I... <laughs> I know it's morbid, <laughs> but you have to understand there's a there's a a, a chain thinking yeah, yeah. process that leads me there. It's not like I'm sitting down at home and I'm thinking, okay, so if I die now, what's it gonna feel like? It's not. What What's really weird is that it usually happens when I'm uh, reading the Bible. You know, I try to read the Bible daily, mm-hmm. and you're you're reading about the eternal. Yeah, and you know when. You go up to heaven, and we're gonna be singing, Christ, or, you know, God's praises. Yeah. And this is what it's gonna look like, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's where it comes in. It's like you start visualizing it, and uh, and then you go down the path of, well, okay, so how do we get there? And then when am I gonna pass away? And when I pass away, what's it gonna happen? And that. Wow. Here we go. My big, my biggest thought is that I want to get there where there's not a line. So I get there. I, you know, I want to be able to see him without a line. I'm not going to Discovery Cove. You know? Right, if St. Peter's... I'm not riding there. Harry Potter's railway here. I, I want to, like, get there, and I'm like, oh, I made it at a good time. There's no line, you know, and I get stuck to Jesus. But or you could just wave your VIP pass at Peter and say, hey, hey, man. Hey, VIP. get out the way. I didn't deny him. I flat out denied him. Anyway, no, like, my fear is the methodology. Will it be gunshot? Will it be car crash? Will it be? But I don't worry about the experience. Mm-hmm. I worry about being in pain. Okay. And so, so like I'm, I like your situation. It's like you can always every situation you've been in, mm-hmm. so to speak, you can get out of the pool. Right. You can go out of the house. You can get out of the car. Uh-huh. But maybe like I think you know maybe where your worry is at is in the uh, the unknown. What is it going to be like? It's right. some I've. Ex- I've been able to reverse everything or accommodate to my new or acclimate to my new surroundings. But mm-hmm. once you cross that, this is it, you mm-hmm. know, is there a waiting period, you know? But, okay. Well, I, well, I just thought of this as we're talking here. Yeah. So the best that I can uh, compare it to is when you go to sleep, right? Okay. You, you, go on, you go to your bed and usually if you're not too tired... You sit there, you rest your head, you look at the wall, you start thinking, and eventually, almost uh, like, uh, you know, one moment to the next, mm-hmm. you're out, right? There, There's a passing there to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's something I can look at and, and say, okay, well, this is similar because I'm going from a state of awakeness to sleep. Right. <coughs> but Sorry. To just to you know maybe find the root to the problem, have you ever uh, lost consciousness? Or, I, or I can tell shock? you this: yeah. there's two experiences in my life that I don't have memories for, and I will never get back. And mm-hmm. it was during surgery. Okay. And that freaks me out. That there was a period of time where I, I I'm still here, I'm still alive, but I have no recollection of of that time, mm-hmm. and that freaks me out. Was that it a- shouldn't. Because I came back right. and everything's fine, but people were digging around in and on my body mm-hmm. for four, two four-hour periods, and I'm like, or maybe not even four hours, but I was gone for four hours. But anesthesia was involved in that process. Yeah. So you were so that's, put under. I was put under. Yeah. But 
with sleep, mm-hmm. there's some recollection of something that happened. Right. But I woke up with blank spots, and that to me is just like, that is afraid. Mm-hmm. That to me seems like hell on earth. Like yeah. a, a place where there's no connection, nothing. There was no meaningful connection. There was no anything, and, and it just generated a fear and a, and a weirdness to me, you know? I don't know. No, that's good to hear yeah. because then it doesn't make me feel so weird because I've yeah. never gone into surgery. I've never been put under. I've never lost consciousness. I've never gone unconscious. I've never uh, blacked out. Yeah. But No, even when I broke my knee and, and shattered it, I never blacked out, but I did go into shock. Okay. So that that honestly helped me with the fear of death. Because I was, I did horrible things to my knee, and I looked down, and and I knew it was horrible. Well, just you describing it to me. Yeah, <laughs> but like, mind, yeah. but I was like, the pain did not come for thirty, forty minutes. Mm-hmm. Praise God for shock. So I'm thinking, if God forbid, I am in a horrible mm-hmm. car accident, there's the grace in the way He engineered our bodies that shock comes in, and you, you are not going to, you know, feel crazy that part of you is missing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Um, no, yeah, that's a healthy yeah. bodily response. Yeah, so that, when the pain did come in, mm-hmm. I was already acclimated to the situation. I was already to a place where uh, I was getting help. You know, it wasn't a 127 hours movie or anything, mm-hmm. you know, so I was in a place where when it happened, I was taken care of. But yeah, so because honestly, my greatest fear was breaking my knees, well, breaking one of my knees. And so mm-hmm. I'm searching for my greatest fear now in right, my right brain. Now, and it's not that I don't have fear. Like, I still have, you know, we talked about the whole comedian thing. Right. I have a fear of being embarrassed and, and mm-hmm. standing in front of a group of people and not knowing what to say and being embarrassed about it or or having them not have confidence in me or not think I'm funny. So I have, like, huge stage fright, which is funny considering everything that I've ever done. But mm-hmm. then you... Like you see people get up on stage and they they look like a natural at it and you're like in the back of your head you're like I could do that and then I'm like, but I'm too afraid, you know. So you're for, you're more so concerned with the reaction, the re- uh, failure, rejection, like rejection, failure, failure, you know, all the usuals. So you're a great public speaker. I mean, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I know it's no, it doesn't I, make it any better, but I yeah, and and it's it, it's different. Like when you're getting up to share your heart, and when you're getting up to share the Bible, mm-hmm. it's it's different because at that point, God God is all over that story, and, and you're getting up there for a reason. But when you're getting up to make people laugh, mm-hmm. it's like you almost feel them. You feel them take out their clipboards, and well, and they're like, well, this guy doesn't cuss, so that's not good and he's probably not going to be dirty so that's not good and so you're already behind the eight ball Mm -hmm. you know um to use a stupid saying but you're already kind of uh behind and and so when you get up there like there's plenty of stuff i say in in public or Mm -hmm. or with friends that's funny but there's been times when i crack a joke in ministry or or from the stage or whatever and Mm -hmm. you just look out and they're all a bunch of dead you know grandmas sitting there staring (laughs) you in the face it's like norman bates's mother because you see the light behind their head their hair's aglow and they don't say a word you know you know Um, yeah if you if you want to prove yourself as a comedian go to a church and try to make people laugh. seriously yeah Yeah. these people aren't laughing at nothing except each other (laughs) um but yeah it's that's that for me is you know, I don't know. I've never really tried that avenue, mm-hmm. um, but it, but it, in the same time, you're not going to be good at everything right off the bat. So mm-hmm. it's this catch twenty two of I really want to be good at it, 
Right. But I don't want to fail, you know. But everything you've ever tried, you probably failed at once or twice or a little bit or a lot or whatever. You and don't start quoting all these people that have failed. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln failed 765 times before he became president of the United States. I don't care about that, you know. Right. <laughs> no, and you know what's funny about comedians uh, specifically? Yeah. Because I follow a lot of them. And, and one of the podcasts <laughs> I listen to, they interview a new comedian every week. Yeah. And they always ask them, well, how'd you get started? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And most of them say, I had a really great first show. And they say, yeah, this was great. And I thought yeah. it was funny. And then they go to the second show and they bomb. They bomb bad. Yeah. And they say, what happened? I thought it was funny, you know? <laughs> and it's funny that their experience is kind of the inverse, you know? Oh, yeah. But. Well, and, and I watched, I started watching some of the comedians on Netflix and. Like, some of the stuff they say, I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily funny. And people are laughing at it. I'm like, I could get up and talk about my living room or, or whatever. And these people would laugh. But maybe it's because they're on camera, maybe whatever. So, and yeah. it's an infectious social yeah, situation, probably. too. Cause it, it, but yeah. that's the fear of that situation. Mm-hmm. It just, it unnerves me, you know. And so I've kind of, like, dismissed it and I kind of bleed off my funny with crowds and mm-hmm. with ministry or with people that I'm hanging out with or people that I meet at Home Depot or whatever and mm-hmm. I try stuff on them but you know and I've tried it to a certain extent with Uber but usually when people get in the car <laughs> they don't want to they don't want to talk yeah. to you you're a servant so anyway we we, we I rabbit st- trail I still write down yeah. no just just because I want to tra- make sure that yeah. I bring it up every once in a while because I've kind of let it slide yeah but we we are still going to try out an open mic sometime i still oh, write um, down material yeah every once in a while. yeah i'd like to try it at home for the deaf you know just in <laughs> case <laughs> you know all right uh. um okay so the fears and all that yeah our greatest fears we've gone through those and <clears throat> the uh i don't i thought it would be fun it may fail if it does and it does but I want to try to explain to you where the astral projection thing comes in for okay. me with this fear. And re- remember what I told you about uh, passing out? Yes. I've never experienced it, and I think I've fought it before. Fought I, passing out? Yeah. Okay. I fought it like a madman because I feel myself going into panic mode. And either because I'm lightheaded or, you know, going through a sugar rush or whatever. Yeah. And uh, for me... It is a matter of... Uh, Yes. And here we go with a little bit of podcast magic. I'll tell you what just happened. Our equipment just failed. (laughs) And Philip left the room. He had to go grab some things. And in the process, Mike's got disconnected. But they are connected again. And I'm just telling you all that because it's probably going to sound awkward later. Yeah, it was totally not Philip's fault. It was my fault. Oh, no, I, not at all. Yeah. I needed cord. It was neither of your own fault. I was afraid that was going to happen. <laughs> my fears are foul. See, you're funny already. I know I'm funny. Okay, yeah. go. Astral so, projection. That's so, where we're at. Right. Let's get back the on track. The experiment. Yeah. I figured it'd be kind of neat if I could walk you and the listeners yeah. through as close to the experience as I'm going through. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so remember, I'm reading the Word. Or yep. reading the Bible, yeah, and and eventually I go into this thought process. All right, so let's try it out. Okay. Okay. So the first thing I need you to do, pick a spot anywhere in the room. Yeah. Pick it and focus on it. Okay. Okay. You as a listener too, please do so. Okay. As you're focusing on this particular spot, keep looking at it, and look at it intently. Now, as you're looking at it, realize 
that you are looking at it and the fact that you're actually using your eyes. I know you can't actually feel your eyes that well, but realize you have eyesight. Yeah. From the eyesight move further back, understanding the process of ocular function. Yeah. That your brain is processing the image. Oh, yeah. Okay. Realize that you have a brain. A, a computer of sorts, of organic matter, that is able to interpret what you're looking at. Uh-huh. Realize that a lot of your ability to stay conscious is coming from there. Now realize you are also a functioning, living human being. That you're actually alive. Feel your body. Feel the fact that you are there. Meanwhile, do not lose focus on what you're looking at. But do not return there. Now from where you're at, in your brain, come to the realization that you are functioning as one unit and you are alive and there is such a process as leaving all that that even as your brain is active it could shut down it could go blank but don't go there just realize that fact now feel a further pull back and look at yourself from behind your mind outside of your body Imagine it if you have to, but realize that you're sitting or standing, living again, as one body, one unit, and realize that there's something further out other than you. Realize that there's consciousness there, because not just of a mind, but something else that we call a soul, to our best interpretation. Now realize that if you were to lose consciousness, if you were to die, if you were to just shut down, what exactly does that feel like? Your eyesight is gone, the eye doesn't work, the brain shuts down, you're losing the ability to breathe, you're moving from one place to another, from your body to your soul, and the soul elsewhere. Now, I don't know if it, that works, but that's the best. I, I kind of rehearsed this in my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried to go pro step by step how it kind of felt like. Yeah. And the idea is <clears throat> I can get to the point where I'm at the soul part, right? Where I'm having the out-of-body experience. Not literally, but... It's like, I realize I'm alive, I know I'm alive, I'm feeling it. This can get snuffed out. So where do I go next? And will my ability of knowing consciousness go, my soul consciousness go, when my brain shuts down? And that's where, like, the terror sets in. Because I don't know what that process is going to feel like. I, and sure, I can come close to it. I said, you know, maybe sleeping and falling asleep. Or going, you know, yeah, falling out of consciousness. But yeah, it's just it, it's awful because then I just I realize, okay, well, then am I going to something eternal, and what's that feel like? And all of a sudden, am I taking another body, or is it just my soul that goes into it? And I, I, it's just all the variables and the unknowns that kind of set the panic in. I don't know if you went through that right now, and I don't know if the listener went through that either. But it's just, I figured it'd be kind of fun to try it just to see if it worked. 
I don't know. Did you experience anything at all? My eyes hurt. <laughs> um, uh, no, like, I, okay, so not to get weird, but, uh-huh. like, I've, I've been there before uh-huh. in a dream state or, or whatever, but, like, God always takes me to, um, and I, you know, I hesitate to say this because I don't know who's listening, but God always takes me to the edge of the universe. Mm-hmm. It, that's what I call it because it's dark mm-hmm. and I'm standing on something, but maybe I'm just standing in the presence of God. I don't know, but it's dark everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think what you just kind of walk me through, it's a little creepy. You know, it's a, it seems a little otherworldly to me. Right. But the way I was thinking about it, we are otherworldly beings. I mean, the, we're not citizens of the earth or for Christians. We're citizens of heaven. And mm-hmm. so um, God's taken me there a couple of times. Because there are no distractions. Mm-hmm. There are no colors. It's just communication from him. Like he is he is your everything out there at the edge of the universe. Right. And so that's kind of what I equated it to. It's like it's not fearful. It's, it's not a fearful place to me because I think I've been there before. And when I'm there, he's always teaching me a lesson. So I don't have time to worry about, oh, my gosh, what is this place? Right. You know? Well, so, okay. No, that's yeah. good to hear because I still haven't experienced it and been comforted by it. But yeah. as as I'm going through it and I'm feeling the like the panic set in, <clears throat> right? I'm quickly reminded, and you know, through prayer, I just go into thinking, okay, well, just forget about that. You're you're alive now. You don't need to worry about that. When that moment comes, it comes. Just breathe in and yeah. out. Keep functioning as a as a living functioning human being you know here's here's the way i equate it mm-hmm. when i was trying to take the swim test for SeaWorld, um i would get below the water and mm-hmm. all i could think about was you have to hold your breath for this amount of time mm-hmm. well what my swim coach did was through she threw some objects on the bottom of the pool about 100 feet apart mm-hmm. 100 you know like 5 25 50 whatever at the lower depth at the like lower depth sinks down. Mm-hmm. my thought process switched from not breathing mm-hmm. but picking up these articles okay. and when my thought process switched i no longer worried about my breathing i worried about something else or i concentrated on something right, else the objective yeah the was... objective had changed so my mm-hmm. perspective had changed and so it it's even i look at that sometimes it's like the things i'm worrying <laughs> about if i'll change my perspective and, and this happened the other day. I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. But when your perspective changes about where you're at, you, you stop thinking about, oh, I was, I was underwater again. Like I was scalloping with Ben. And, mm-hmm. and I, all I could think about for the longest time was my lungs and how they hurt and how my legs hurt and all this stuff. And it was almost like God said, get over yourself. You're out here to have fun. Mm-hmm. And when I went down and started concentrating on other things, I had a great time. But up until then, my mask was uncomfortable. My shorts were uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, I was afraid of sharks. Everything was uncomfortable. Everything in my body was screaming. Mm -hmm. But when I said, when I surrendered to it, everything was perfect. And I could enjoy it. And so that's about the only thing that I can equate it to, you know. Because I'm not built for that environment, and I don't experience it very often. But that's really weird to, I mean, I don't... You're built for eternity, but you've never experienced mm -hmm. it. So being in that place on the other side of the, you know, rainbow bridge for pets, anyway, Mm -hmm. on the (laughs) other side of it, you know, I I think for me, I've always had to figure out 
when there's a mystery about something, I need to figure it out. Otherwise, my brain will build structure around it. Mm-hmm. So if I know the facts, I can dismiss it and move on. Okay. Um, so when there is something, at least for me, that's mysterious, I'll, I'll ruminate on it for weeks. I'll come up with my own. I'll, I'll, I'll be paranoid about it, you know. And so, but when I'm given a vision for it and when I have some explanation, mm-hmm. I can rest and move on. And it's not being chewed about in my brain, you know. So, yeah, I don't, and I I don't know. I don't know if any of that helps or if it's off well, topic. But <laughs> You know, I, I had been not afraid to share about going through the many panic attacks and, you know, this whole astral projection crap yeah. stuff. But the only person I had shared it with was, was Dominic. And I told him, hey, man, you know... Th- well, we went to Chili's or wherever, and, and I told him, hey, man, Oh, that you know. gives me a panic attack, Chili's. <laughs> oh, anyway, go ahead. Well, we just we just hung out, and we were talking about life, and I told him, yeah, you know, just, he's asking me, well, how's life been? And I told him about it, because I felt like I got to tell somebody about it. And I, I think I may have mentioned it to Gina before, but I don't think she's going to understand it. And when Gina, when I tell something like that to Gina, because she's just so uh, methodical. Yep. And she's very like straight and narrow. Minded. Black and white. It doesn't. It's not gonna. It's, it's gonna go yeah. way over her head, and it's not gonna make any sense. So I don't bring it up to her. Yeah. In fact, I wonder <clears throat> what she's gonna think of it now as she's listening. Darling, I know you're listening. I love you. But the point is, it helped me to bring it up to him, and we talked about it a little bit. And he said, "Yeah, I've kind of gone not through that specifically, but just mortality, questioning mortality, and all that." But now talking about it, and and I'm glad that you've kind of have a better understanding of it is that when you can share an experience with somebody yeah or share in that fear or share in that whatever it kind of all right you know i feel better now it's not i'm right. not alone in this right well and the, the weird thing that's been happening to me for about the last couple of years is i'll close my eyes and i'm fully aware and i'll be dreaming mm-hmm. all i have to do is open my eyes but and it's I don't know if the, the Bible talks about dreams and visions and old men and young men and I don't know where I fall out on that on God's register you know forty five is not very cosmic in the light of eternity mm-hmm. my friend would say mm-hmm. and so but I'll close my eyes and I'm dreaming and I know I'm dreaming mm-hmm. and I don't get it and I haven't told anybody that and I think it's the weirdest thing I'm not on drugs you know I don't do any of that stuff mm-hmm. but literally. It's like I close my eyes to the world, and a new world pops up. You know, and it's I, I can't tell but you what it happens. Any of. You're in dream state, like well, it's I, like but it's I'm awake. REM, but yeah. I'm awake. No, I'm talking like like I'd just be sitting here, and I could close my eyes, and and a dream starts, or a vision starts, or whatever, and and I know I'm not asleep. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. You say you you rest on the pillow and you immediately go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm like land in a 747. Oh no, I'm it not takes saying me an hour. It does yeah. take me quite a quite a yeah. long time to fall asleep. Most yeah. of the time, that's why I put the TV on and yeah. put it at a really low volume because for whatever reason that helps me fall asleep. But, okay. Yeah. So all right. So where do our fears stem from? You either the greatest fears we have or whatever. I I think my fear stems from, you know, like having. Having kind of, you know, mom, she loved me, mm-hmm. but mom was unpredictable. My brother was unpredictable. Um, I slept with a frying pan behind my bed mm-hmm. um, because my brother would stay out late. And then if he would come home, they always they always locked all the doors. But mm-hmm. my window was open because we had the, the air would come in or whatever. Right. So my window was open because so he'd come to my window and 
threaten me if I didn't let him in. And so Jesus. rather than to be scared to death, I had a frying pan behind my bed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would put I would put things up in front of my door that would fall and make noise in case anybody came in. So I always lived in fear. And, mm-hmm. and that's what the Lord showed me. It's like one day I was laying in bed and the Lord said, you know, you know why you're afraid mm-hmm. of everything. And I said, no, I, I don't know what the, the root of it is. And he said, because you had fear poured into you by your mother, your father, and your brother. So three entities that just poured fear into you day after day. Um, and so, and, and I've, I've gone beyond that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but I think now is fear of speaking out, fear of not being heard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one of my bosses, I have a lot of different part-time jobs, but one of the bosses yelled at me the other day in front of people and it wasn't a yelling situation mm-hmm. and it made me angry because, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day I would have let him have it. I would have cussed him out. I would have mm-hmm. given him exactly what he gave me. But in this situation, it was just highly inappropriate, you know, that he did that. And, I reacted a little bit in my head, but then I sat on it for a couple of days. And then I realized I'm like, you know, my fear Mm -hmm. in telling him all this stuff is that he's going to tell me that I'm wrong or he's going to tell me where he's right or he's going to, he's going to, I mean, it just builds up all this stuff. He's not going to hear me. It's not going to make a difference, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's when I left SeaWorld. I, you know, I wanted to burn the place down on the way out, but the Lord said, don't do that. Mm -hmm. The Lord said, quit, um, quit uh, gracefully and quit well. And so I quit well. And I didn't have the fears of, because here's what happens. When I react, then I have a situation I have to go back and fix. Right. And that compounds your fear because you're no longer out of the situation. You've created an alternative situation, mm-hmm. and you should be afraid about that one because you're in the wrong. So for me, I don't know, that, that's where my fear stems from is my family. Um, I was a shy, sensitive kid, and they poured a lot of fear into me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take responsibility for Maybe they weren't, you know, maybe they, they didn't mean to be all that bad. And maybe they were just being humans. But as a sensitive kid, I registered a lot of it mm-hmm. as fear and fearful of them. Oh, that's, so, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, that, that's... Fear of women, fun. fear of men, fear of peers. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much is everything. I wasn't afraid of animals. Oh, yeah. You know? That, that animals yeah. seem to be kind of the common yeah. uh, comfort for, for a lot of people yeah. that have fears. And, you know, that's, I guess, not universally true because there's people that are afraid of the animals, too. And yeah. they have the, their own phobias. But uh, it's funny just listening to you talk. Yeah. You know, we share a lot of similarities. And I'm thinking back on the anger episode we did. And I think there's a lot of parallels here between those two because... Oh, for sure. The anger and the fear yeah. are almost both stemming from that control issue as well of controlling the situation of knowing all the cards on the table, you know, f- having a full knowledge of the situation. And, and I, yeah, it, that's what it, what it is for me too. What I've come to understand is, as, especially as the years have gone by, is that my natural state is to not trust. Exactly. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think, it, but I don't think it was developed. See, I think it's just a natural you know, everybody, you know, you I think say my, some people are born I brave. think mine was developed, you know, mm-hmm. but I think mine might have already been there, but it was enhanced. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with you on that one. Yeah. And I just, I've, I've, because of the way I approach a situation or hell, even open the door to the, to the house, I'm, it's, it's processing data for the sake of security. Okay. You know, and it's and it's okay. The the situation's under control and we are ready. 
Yeah. And I and it's funny because I'm watching YouTube videos, right? I've been putting them on a lot at night to fall asleep. Yeah. And usually the funny ones, which is odd, you know, people getting hurt or doing stupid stuff. Yeah. And some of them are hilarious to me because I've done stupid stuff before, you know, just mm-hmm. human stupid stupidity. Yeah. But I know that most of that I avoided because I know if I jump off a two, you know, a two-story building, regardless of whether there's a whole bunch of leaves at the bottom, I'm probably going to get hurt. Yeah. Or don't jump over that fence because your clothes are probably going to get caught on the wires at the time. Which is exactly what happened to me when I when I jumped off a cabinet at work three feet and shattered my knee. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I've jumped off a cabinet forever, but something in my head said, don't jump off this cabinet, and I didn't listen to it. Right. I've jumped off cabinets forever. I jumped off, and one of my feet went back to the cabinet, and I, I landed all my weight on one knee. It split, and <sighs> and in, the, in my head, my biggest fear at that time, God and I had already talked about this. I said, you're going to break my knee in order to make me a testimony, mm-hmm. and it was an irrational fear until that moment. I was laying on the floor with a broken knee, mm-hmm. and I just looked up and I laughed. I'm like, you got me. <laughs> but out of that fear, mm-hmm. I have this, this little tiny girl, and I think I've mentioned her before, Caroline Gibbs. And one day, she, she's like four and a half nothing, feet mm-hmm. tall. But she used to train killer whales, and she could get these animals to do just about anything, and she could get Sam Davis to do just about anything. And he was like six feet and a half, whatever. Mm-hmm. But one day she goes, why are you she – she's from uh, – where is she from? South Carolina or Georgia. Anyway, she's like, why are you always afraid? Mm-hmm. You don't need to be afraid. Hebrews 13, 6. And it's so that I may say with confidence, uh-huh. the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And then she walked out of the fish house. And I was like, I just got served by, <laughs> by a little little person, you know? Um, but she was always, like, she had her moments, but she was always walking in that confidence of God. Right. And I never had it. And And so in this moment, you know, God took that fear that I had. He allowed it to be recognized. And now my next fear is being a comedian or, or knowing that I would love to do that, my fear of failure, whatever. Right, there was a purpose um, in that. There was a was to total purpose. Yeah, yep. and there was pain involved. And mm-hmm. I think that's, we, we are humans. We like to avoid pain and amp up the pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I don't care who you are, you know, Christian, non-Christian. You know, at least the Christians know better, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, or, well... Sometimes. They the should know part, better. Yeah. You know, they got a, an instruction manual. <laughs> Come on, y'all. You know? All right. Have you tried to tackle your fears through therapy, or do you have coping mechanisms, anything that you use to get through them? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I mean, therapy. And that was the thing. I told my dad I was in therapy, and he's like, Christians don't need therapy. And I said, I need therapy because our family was freaking crazy. <laughs> you know? And But it, it made me angry Right. Because I had found something to help me mm-hmm. because they had, they, had, they had sort of damaged me, you know, and, and I'm good with my parents and, and everybody now, but they had damaged me. And, and it was like, how dare you tell me that I can't get help for this? You're part of the reason I'm like this. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of fought back at him, you know, and I said, therapy is just me talking to somebody who's not crazy and is objective in my situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for $90 a week, they're my best friend. Um, so uh, yeah, therapy, uh, therapy has worked me through problems with my mother, problems mm-hmm. with a, an ex-boyfriend and a breakup that I was going through. And I stayed in this situation with him mm-hmm. and a therapist helped me walk out of that. Um, and you know, therapy 
had, had I, I met with a Christian therapist, and I would suggest guys meet with guys and girls meet with girls because, like me, guys struggling with homosexuality, we don't need women speaking into our lives because more than more than anything, we've had women speak into our lives and speak over over our lives, and we've been too connected with mom. And so I always suggest for my guys that they get a strong Christian male figure who knows their story mm-hmm. and and is a good Christian therapist that can bring in the Bible, can bring in reality. Uh, and so, yeah, therapy, um, coping mechanisms for me, uh, you know, I put this on my Facebook. I was 212, mm-hmm. 212 pounds. And I looked and I'm, I looked in the mirror and I'm like, oh my gosh, someone, someone ate me, you know, <laughs> someone ate my 155 pound high school body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, it's just too much. And that Monday I prayed that God would give me the strength to start this diet. And so far I've lost 15, but you know, yay, yeah. but don't pat me no, on no, the back. No, no, I know, yeah. I know yeah. you're not in it for the glory of yeah, like, you know, saying I lost this weight. You know, mm-hmm. and talking to Pastor Ed, he's like, don't pat me on the back until I've done this a year. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I, I'm happy that I'm 15 pounds less, but it's so much more than losing weight. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that food became a second, uh, another coping mechanism, and we have to eat. Right. You know, so I would eat and just eat, you know, at midnight a cheeseburger and think well it had lettuce on it and this is my this is my thought process mm-hmm. i never went to the diet coke i would do regular coke but i would only do one mm-hmm. you know and it's and it's all this stuff and it's like like you've got your lips locked on a cheeseburger and you're sinking in quicksand and you mm-hmm. don't know why and that's where i was so coping mechanisms yeah but i think now having a good friend to talk to mm-hmm. this podcast has been therapeutic for me right. in this us working out our one time a week right now because we're so overachievers yeah. um but but just he, here's what the coping mechanisms kind of have showed me like yeah they help for a bit mm-hmm. but when you change your path like what i wrote last week was re, uh, relent repent and receive mm-hmm. and that's what i shared with my group because you have to relent you have to you know you have to say Okay, I just give up. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot do this. You have to repent. You have to turn from that stuff. And then you begin to receive good from God and from the world and from your body. Mm-hmm. And, and I needed to see those things. So anyway, I monopolized that question. No, Go. no, that's <laughs> – I learned something through it, which was that more than therapy, like this is therapy to me. Yeah, Speaking for is sure. therapy. And nothing against uh, having a therapist. I probably should see one eventually. Yeah for any number of reasons. The only therapy we've done really is marriage therapy, especially when we were starting out just to make sure we go into a healthy marriage. Right. But uh, usually therapy, I just use friendships to talk things out. Uh, But I think I tend to use coping mechanisms, good or bad, more than I do resolving an issue. Like you're talking about the knee fear and you were confronted with it. Yeah. You were put in the situation. And you had to be uh, delivered through it. Yeah. So you don't need a coping mechanism for it anymore. You're, the fear is transferred out, something else yeah. to deal with. And God walked through me that through with uh, through that fear with me the whole time, mm-hmm. and and so did you know um, oxycodone. Right. But um, God walked me through it. Mm-hmm. He didn't just make it happen and say get over yourself, get over this. Mm-hmm. He walked me through that. So and and that's I'm not telling anybody to get over your fear. You know, get over your fear. I'm saying, God wants to help you through it. Mm-hmm. You know, because He does that. So yeah. Anyway, no, for me that 
the coping mechanisms I don't normally stress eat, but uh, like sweets, <clears throat> that'll you know. Yeah. It's like all right. Well, let me go grab, or even just a bag of Doritos or whatever, or gum. I'll use gum a lot because I don't know the chewing action just releases tension. Yeah. Or. Uh, well, you know, Lewis. Like I started to feel mm-hmm. the badness of food. I I would eat a bag of chips and I would feel it, and mm-hmm. and it was like this gift from God that He's like, you're killing yourself with food, mm-hmm. you know, and and it. I had never felt that before, and I never asked for that, but I I felt like it was the. I mean, it was what I was putting into my body, mm-hmm. but it was God letting, taking the protection of the of the Holy Spirit off for a second and just saying, okay, you're basically eating a bag of sin mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're now feeling that this food is allowing you to feel. And, and I, it had so many spiritual implications. Everything we take in, if you were watching, I'm not going to say the name of that show, but if you're watching shows that are altering your beliefs about yourself or you always have to watch them or you can't get by without them. Mm-hmm. The stuff we are pouring into our minds, we are programming a computer. You call the brain a computer. We are programming it with mm-hmm. a bunch of crap, which is why I don't have cable in my house anymore, which is, you know, I, I my brain was programmed from six years on with pornography. Mm-hmm. And, and I can still remember some of that. And what God was showing me is that I've given you this great gift of a body and daily you drive... You drive your body, which is your car, into a tree. And then you expect me to just fix it every yeah, day. Yeah, a tree called Taco Bell or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and, and you... Not that there's anything wrong not with that, eating, not, yeah, but, you know. in moderation. Yeah. But yeah, he, he just was like, the greatest thing I've given you, you don't take care of. Mm-hmm. You take better care of your house or your car, and those things are temporal. Those are, those are not going to be around forever. This body is going to be with you until you exit. Mm-hmm. And so you need to take care of it. And it, and it wasn't God being angry, and it wasn't God being uh, a punishing, but it was God saying, here's the facts, son. This is it. Mm-hmm. You need to take care of what I've given you, especially if you want to be in ministry, especially if you want to be influential. Hmm. Yeah, no, thank you for, for sharing in that. Because I, you know, I knew the story because you know, we're friends yeah. on Facebook and because we talk about these things. But I think it's good for you to share it, too, with the listeners, and hopefully yeah. they can glean something off of that. Um. I was going to ask, are you afraid of dying? But I'm not. I'm afraid of the method of getting there. Yeah, you, we, you, we were talking about that. Yeah, I'm not necessarily afraid of dying. I mean, I do think about that. You know, there's there's that one story where they say, you know, I passed over into the afterlife and God showed me this big cabinet of the, th- the blessings I could have had, uh-huh. and and then my little empty cabinet, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I am so tired. I grew up Assembly of God, so mm-hmm. it was fire insurance every week. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to hear stories about that. I want to try to follow God as best as I can and and do the the things he's called me to do, but like I don't want people to try to be good on this side of life and to try to achieve something on that side of life. Yeah, there is things that we sow into our eternal mm-hmm. home, but like if the motivation to do stuff here is to fill that cabinet on the other side, whatever that silly story is, that's not my motivation. Mm-hmm. My motivation is to take as many people with me as I can. And, you know, I was reading yesterday and it talked about if you're righteous, it was in Psalms, if you're righteous and if you do this and if you do this, your desires will be visited upon your enemies. And before, my enemies would have been people who talk bad about me or the gay community that fights against me because I'm ex-gay and I left homosexuality. But yes, but yes, And that's what I thought, they're my enemies. Mm-hmm. But then as I read it, 
and and, and I thought maybe the desires that I have is for them to um, to be punished because of how they treat me. Mm-hmm. But as I read it yesterday, what I heard from the Lord was your desires upon your enemies, and my desire is that every gay person, every every person caught in sin, every whatever, the people in my gay community that I still love and that I still minister to, I, my desires for my quote-unquote enemies or the people that hate me for being who I am, mm-hmm. um, I want them to meet Jesus. I want them to have a life where their gifts are used in the church, where their their gifts are used not to make crazy music or not to build houses that are going to burn up one day. Mm-hmm. But I want the desire from my desire for my quote unquote enemies is an eternity with their creator and, and a, a relation, a relationship with Christ. I don't have hangups about what they do in their bedrooms. I don't have hangups about what it means to be gay. Mm-hmm. I just, I have a desire for people not to be separated with Christ from Christ for eternity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. I, uh, you know, just based on what we talked, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of the process. Okay. Yeah. Just because I don't know it. Yeah. Not even how I get, you know, how I die, but just the process of I don't know how I go from here to there, you know, right. A to B. I mean, I'd like to choose. I like those little old ladies that go to sleep, you know, like the Titanic. <laughs> she went to sleep and, and she just had her pictures and she just kind of went peaceful, you know, but I, I, I like to see it falling into a human-sized blender, mm-hmm. you know, or, or getting crushed in a car. Or, and I, I'm like, those are the things that if I if I plot those out, mm-hmm. then I get afraid. But I'm not afraid of what I see on the other yeah, side. No. I, you know, I uh, I know Jesus. Yeah, amen. You know? I wanted to bring this up just because as yeah. you're talking about that, about what you read yesterday, and about, yeah. you know, it's not about what your enemies will reap or yeah. take you're not concerned with that you don't want to reap any you don't want your enemies to reap anything bad no i was human. watching you know just because of the events that have happened with charlottesville and all that yeah i was watching a vice uh, documentary of report and they were talking to the individuals that were there as part of the kkk or whatever <coughs> other groups. yeah and you know there's a part of me that was upset there was another part of me that was really pity pitiful and and felt sorry for these individuals but at the end the leader of this group He's at the hotel room after all that's happened, and uh, and he was upset and he was angry and he said, "Next time I'm coming ready." And he starts pulling out his M16 and he's got a handgun behind his back and he's got one on on his arm and he's got a knife that he's pulling out. He's putting them all on the bed for the 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 documentar- documentarian or reporter to look at. Yeah. And it's like I'm not coming unprepared next time. And a, and a part of me is like, golly, you know, people are walking around armed like like they're you know part of the friggin' infantry. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, there's no need for you to be carrying that. And I was upset and fearful. And then I had this feeling come over me of, man, I think this guy just needs a friggin' hug, you know? And I want I want to be mad at you, and I, I, I really want to knock your ass out because yeah. of the way you feel and the, the hate that you're spewing. Yeah. But I can't win you over with any of that. And I think you really just need somebody to give you a hug. And I think you'll punch me off of you. You know, just bait, you know, call me a, a, yeah. a spick or whatever the hell you want because you don't like me because I'm from Puerto Rico and I'm not part of what you understand. But I just the willingness to give you a hug and let you know, you know, I understand why you feel the way you do. I don't agree with you, but dang it, I'm not going to win you over by punching you back. Yeah. And there's a part of me that's going to want to punch you back. Oh, yeah. I want to throat punch people all the time, but it's... It's not going to do any good. We don't win our enemies over by heaping mm-hmm. coals on their heads. And if God chooses to do that, well, you know, that's 
between him and them, but I just... Hate can't be won over with hate. Is all that I wanted to say. Yeah, and it's that, just... It's it like, connects to the fear because, you know, this guy had a, a stinking armament that he just pulled off of himself. Yeah. And he's fearful too because obviously he wouldn't be carrying all these guns if he wasn't afraid to. Yeah. But yeah, if... Well, uh, it's, and, and it's funny because I, I thought this about... Um, about a month or two before the Pulse shooting uh, here in Orlando. Like, I... Uh, I just was looking at the events around the world and I was like, thank God that doesn't happen here. And like I was just distancing myself from everything that was happening in the world and feeling like Orlando was pretty safe or or Orlando, things like that happen in the rest of the world don't happen here. Mm -hmm. And then the shooting happened and it was like... No matter where you live, you're not excluded. Mm -hmm. And you could be in some cabin somewhere in the woods, hole up, and that's your life. But we live in a fallen world. And without God, it doesn't matter where you live. You're going to be subject to the the attack of the enemy. You're going to be subject to crazy people that don't know Jesus or crazy people that think they know Jesus or, or whatever, you know. Um, but then I have the, I have the, you know, the the other example of I sell stuff online and people come here to the house to pick it up Mm -hmm. and I have you know African American people Hispanic people like people of all race age color you know even sexual orientation and and we're meeting on a level that I have something they need they have something I need which is money right and we meet at that place and there's no color there's no race there's no nothing at that moment and I just think gosh, why can't we all just be like this? We could solve so much more and there would be way less fear in the world if we could all just sit down and shut up and have a Coke. Yeah, you know? just, yeah, I mean, low-calorie Coke at this point. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it's just, you can't avoid that stuff. You, you can't avoid that stuff, but I'm not going to walk around in fear either. Like mm-hmm. somebody told me the other day, they were like, be careful when you're talking to this guy. And I'm like, you know what? David slayed Goliath mm-hmm. and he walked out there and did it. And I'm not going to walk around in fear. I've done it too long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm just, it, it is exhausting. And I hate it. And I will not let it dictate, you know, at least, 80, I won't let it dictate at least 85% of my life right now. <laughs> I'm working. I'm not perfect. No, so, that's, that's all yeah. good, man. Um, do you want, uh, we're, we've gone long. This is the, probably the longest show we've oh, done. Oh, yeah, they get but, longer and longer. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a lot of emotions and things to let out. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give any advice to anybody who's going through some fear right now? No, I get. You know what I want. I, I want people. If you've been listening to this podcast and it's affected you at all, I would love for you to post on the Wolf Sheep page, and mm-hmm. and it is postable, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I want you to post. Um, not because you you're telling us we're awesome and amazing, but like our friend George was on here last week, and one of the comments was like, "You guys went really deep," and I loved it, and I shared it with George um, because. Lewis and I just started this because we just we needed an outlet and we wanted to share Christ and we wanted to um, minister to people and we kind of I think we wanted to deepen our relationship mm-hmm. and so we're all going through this together you know Lewis and I cuss and and you know and some of our Christian friends don't really like that but and and we just were open honest and raw and unfiltered like a camel cigarette you know and so it, we are just trying to get this right 
surrendering to Jesus and we want to hear where you're at. We want to hear if you want to hear us talk about a topic or if you are engaged with us. Um, I've gotten some emails, you know, from some friends in Texas from a dad that uh, his name is Randall and he's pretty much, he'll talk to me when we're on, you know, Skype together, mm -hmm. but he's, he doesn't say a lot, but when he does say something, it's, it's deep and it's, you can tell that there's a heart and a soul in this man. And so he wrote me an email. And so if, you know, if, if Randall can sit down and write an email, um, and he's an amazing guy, but he's not necessarily the email type guy, mm -hmm. but if he can sit down and do it, anybody can. Uh, and so we just love to hear from you. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. It's always good to be, uh, in communication because we know that Yeah, we're not doing this to change your life. You know, we're not doing this to, uh, aggrandize ourselves i never yeah. want to monetize this i never want to add sponsors yeah. or anything that was never the purpose it was just to sit down and talk it out you know yeah whatever issue we're going through or well and i think for the only piece of advice i have for the fear thing is sit down with a friend like lewis and i have just done and talk about your fears mm -hmm. don't let them don't let them build a wall around your mind don't let them build a foundation talk about them and and figure out ways to you know, I went and ran with the bulls at one point. That is not Matthew Walker, you know. Um, attack your fears and don't let them, do not let them rule your life mm -hmm. or change your life, you know. Yeah, don't let them thought. become so dominant that you can't even talk about them. Yep. That's, yeah, that's my piece yeah. of advice. Okay. Well, we hope you made you think as always. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can reach me at 4, the number 4, cslewis at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash wolfsheeppod. Matthew Walker. Uh, bigfishministry at gmail.com or mattywalk.com. M-A-T-T-I-E-W-A-L-K.com. Well, till uh, next week, this is Luis Cabedo. And Matthew Walker. And Wolf Sheep.